Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staple Show presented by Sling. It is the first after show of the season. We got SEC after dark on. We got Pac-12 after dark on. Ohio State survives Notre Dame. And by that, I mean Notre Dame covers a thriller in Gainesville. Anthony Richardson leads the Gators past the Utes and uh, Ari. My new man uh, crush. Yeah. It sounds like you have a new favorite player. The, the texts from Ari were just effusive, I think this is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, I was upset that I didn't get him in our Heisman draft. I just like his swag. I like the way he carried the team. Um, you know, I've got a lot of quarterback obsessions, Drew Aller, Quinn Ewers, but you can add, you know, Anthony Richardson into the mix for sure. It feels good to be back here with you Saturday yeah. night, you know, late at night, really fun day of games. Some pretty insane games that mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get to a lot of them, but it was a very entertaining day of football, I thought. Hey, Ari, do you know who got Anthony Richardson in our Heisman draft at the I, Athletic? I have a feeling I know who did. What who round was two, it? Who has two thumbs and got Anthony Richardson in the third round of yeah. our Heisman draft? Yeah, that's this guy. That's malpractice. That's malpractice. <laughs> well, so I was going to do the DJ Uy Ungalale Cade Klubnik handcuff because I had DJ in the second round. But when I saw that Anthony was available in the third, I'm like, I have to take Anthony Richardson. I can't not take. Yeah. Because if Florida ends up being good, it will be because Anthony Richardson was unstoppable. I thought he looked almost close to unstoppable in that game from, from, the, from the portions of the game that I watched. It, it is scary. If you go, go back to that, that, touchdown the long touchdown run in the second quarter I don't know how you play man against this guy unless you're Georgia or Alabama and you have that level of athlete on your defense because you you saw what Utah did they were playing man and Florida just runs everybody to the other side of the field so all of the DBs follow them so Anthony Richardson has to beat like one guy and he just outruns the rest of them and jukes a guy at the end I mean there's no reason why a person that large should be that fast Right. Like, you know, when it comes to like the athleticism aspect of it, you know, in a large portion of my journalism career was watching uh, combination quarterbacks that were strong, big and pretty fast when they got into the open field, get deployed in the run game. But we were texting at the end of that game because Florida was down by four points with like two minutes left and they were facing a fourth and short. I think it was like fourth Mm -hmm. and four or something. And Billy Napier ran the clock all the way down. And I was like, well, if you don't get it, you're going to have no time. Why are you milking yourself? And Andy said, well, he knows that Florida probably can't stop Utah, so he's milking the clock. And I guess there's two ways of looking at that, right? It's one that Napier doesn't trust his defense because Utah wasn't stopped at all in the second half, like you said. Mm -hmm. But also, too, I think it takes a tremendous amount of trust in your quarterback to know that he's going to get that first down and what happened on that fourth down play. He rushed for the first down. And I, you know, that that to me is like the athlete that you can't account for. And then Florida goes on and, you know, the defense still almost gave up a touchdown at the end there. But, you know, yep. Anthony Richardson he, scored the the forgot the first down and then true, scored. By the way, in Billy Napier's mind. One, that he was confident Anthony Richardson would, would would convert that fourth down, but two, he did not believe in his defense in stopping Utah. And and you saw why. Utah in about a minute was in the red zone, and if not for Amari Bernie picking that pass off, was either going to score a touchdown and win or kick a field goal and force overtime. But that's not so, a typical that's not a typical way of deploying the clock that you would see in a game. Because it, most it coaches is, it is no, it is because here's here's the here's the calculus in his mind. And I, I he's probably talking in his press conference right now. So if I'm wrong and he says something different, then then feel free to yell at me. But I think I know where he's coming from. It is You've decided how many possessions are left in the game. Now, we're going to talk about a game later, the Appalachian State-North Carolina game, that defied all of this logic. 
you know, that was defied uh, human gravi- uh, gravity and human logic. Right, right. Yeah. But in normal football logic, if you're Billy Napier and you're running the clock down below two minutes in that situation, you are telling yourself, I have this possession to score. If we don't score, we lose. And if we do score, we need to make sure they have as little time as possible because my defense has not stopped them at all in the second half. But so, the normal coaching thought process there would be, though, that if we don't get this fourth down, I want to leave enough time on the clock to try to get a stop and get the ball back. No, this is Because they not, had two timeouts, not, didn't this they? This is not that abnormal. Here's the thing. I don't remember seeing anybody do that before. If, if they don't get the fourth down, they lose. They will not stop Utah. Like the, the way Tavion Thomas was running, the way Utah's offensive line was blocking, they were not getting a stop. Utah was going to get a first down, and the game was going to be over. I know, but how many times do coaches veer off the conventional game management like card that they have that they sell in the Vegas casino gift shops? <laughs> you know, you don't really, even though like you, you tell yourself, yeah, well, we can't stop Utah. Don't you still have to coach the game to give yourself a chance, even if he you did. don't think you're going to get he that stop? He won the game. He coached the game exactly. I know, but he didn't, right he didn't give win the game win as it. a result of proper clock management. I mean, Utah um, went down the field and scored. No, they they actually didn't. Would have scored. Anyway. They, they tried to. They tried to. They were inside the five yard line with Montrell plenty of time Johnson left. tried to stay in bounds, and and got knocked out of bounds right before the touchdown. That would have taken another forty seconds off the clock. Remember, also, Utah got an extra timeout because a guy's helmet popped off. Yeah. So. Okay. So maybe it was clock. I don't know. It just. It was absolutely clock. And, and look, if Ventrell Miller, if Ventrell Miller catches that, the ball that's thrown right at him, none of that matters. It, yeah, that's you know, true. You're not even uh, talking about Yeah. That. But also, too, it's just like if you're going to do it that way, then you better make damn sure that you stay in bounds for the rest of the drive, too. D- Daniel Simmons in our live chat, if Utah could run basic QB contain, they win. Yeah, if you were playing a basic QB, but you weren't. That that's the thing. If if Utah were playing a basic QB, they could have stopped him. You know how I'm how I'm prone to hyperbolic things, right? Oh yeah. So I want to try to to pull it in a little. Well, I guess I'm not going to at all. I want you to pull me in. Okay, I'll try. Is this is this shades of early Cam Newton? We were texting about this, and it's interesting because I covered the Mississippi State game where Auburn went there on a Thursday night early in 2010. And Cam didn't look like the dominant force he was going to become over the next few weeks yet. But I think back, and that Mississippi State defense had like Fletcher Cox and a ton of future pros. So it could have just been that 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 was one of the most athletic defenses they played. That might have been the most athletic defense they played all year, to be to be perfectly honest. But he didn't look like that yet. And so... Maybe, but I do think Florida is going to have to play some very talented defenses down the road. Like LSU, we know they're, we don't know what they're going to look like yet. They, they don't open their season until Sunday night against Florida State, but they have super athletes on their defense. Georgia's defense, we saw against Oregon, that, that thing's going to be mm-hmm. dominant again. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I'm not ready to go there yet. I need to see this more because well, let's go here then. Let's go here. Okay. And I'm not trying to disparage anybody who played on Florida's roster last year or Jack Miller or anybody else, but Florida does not win that game if Emory Jones is their quarterback. Absolutely not. Not They don't win that game if Jack Miller is a quarterback. Nope. And the thing that is interesting, and I think Florida, you know, you and I both have Urban Meyer uh, backgrounds as beat writers, you know, covering it. But like, you can win a lot of games in college football by having that quarterback that can get you five yards a pop. Yes. And that's all he did the entire game. Except the difference is he can also get you 45. 55, on yeah, the ground. right. Yeah, and, but, then, and his arm. I mean, now, I, I, I do think he's got to work on the touch on the shorter balls because yeah. he throws the Nolan Ryan fastball. No matter what. Yeah. All the time. But he's got, he's got a cannon for an arm. So it was very exciting to watch. And by the way, you get Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis next Saturday yeah, in the swamp. That's going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, I uh, I know that we spent the first nine, ten minutes of our podcast talking about a game that nobody thought we were going to be talking about this much, but... I think this is the game everybody was talking about tonight, because we're going to get to Ohio State Notre Dame, which I thought was very interesting as well for different mm-hmm. reasons, but that was not one of those that... I, okay, I, I said... Friday, you, you know, you, me and Nicole were picking. You and Nicole picked Utah. I said, "No, I picked Florida." 
Oh, you did pick Florida. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I said, if Florida wins, it'll be because Anthony Richardson is really different. And that's exactly why they won. That's they won because Anthony Richardson is different. And I'm not a talent evaluator, but is he like a first round draft pick type of guy? Dane Brugler thinks he is a first round prospect, but they need to see him in a full year as a starter before they they really determine that. Uh, But he has first round tools. He has the best, probably the best set of tools of any of the quarterbacks who are draft eligible next year. And when's the last time that a Florida quarterback had that many tools? Never. They've had great quarterbacks, but they've never had one like that. Well, no, I take that back. Cam Newton. Yeah, they had Cam Newton. It it wasn't never. Um, But, you know, it's kind of funny because it's almost like putting Tebow and Chris Leak in the same body. Uh, It's he's faster than Tebow, though. Yeah. Well, that's the Chris Leak part. It's it's more it's more Cam or, or Vince Young type speed. But then can you be a decision maker like them? Can you? I mean, which quarterback in the history of college football has been that large and that fast? Cam Newton and Vince Young. So, I mean, what about, again, hyperbolic nature aside, I think you're dealing with a person who is as physically talented as some of the greater players that we've seen. And I don't know if he'll reach that potential. It's very early, but it's just, it's a... Something to track. And somebody I wish I invested in our Heisman draft, for sure. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Let's move on to the game in Columbus, because that's the one we were all watching. You know, the two biggest brand names. But I predicted that Ohio State would flex and just dominate this game. I was very wrong. Notre Dame hung in most of the game. Mm-hmm. Ohio State gutted it out, basically. Yep. And how do you feel about this? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna do the old talk radio trick of is this team good or or does this team suck? And I don't know the answer to it. Does Ohio State suck or does it I, suck is the wrong word? No, if is suck Ohio is the word State I used. I I used it last less- year, and Ralph Russo got mad at me. Remember? Oh, I know. But is Ohio State less than what we thought they were, and is or is Notre Dame just maybe better than we thought? Um, I think it's possible that both of those things could be true. I mean, what do we think Ohio State was coming into the game? The only team in college football outside of Georgia that has a chance against Alabama on a college football playoff field? Um, you know, the thing that I I would hang my hat on if I were an Ohio State fan is that that is the exact type of game that they lost last year twice. The type of game where they couldn't just throw the ball around the field at will. And they took a top five team, whether or not you think Notre Dame is a top five team or not, and outgutted them in the trenches and run ran the ball down their throat and mm-hmm. I think held them that, to less than a That was the most impressive thing to me at the end. I mean, they won games like Ohio State won games for the majority of the last decade. And it was the type of way that you have to win games when you're facing when you're facing really good teams. So, you know, I don't know if this is like a good context conversation for how good is Ohio state, how good is Notre Dame. But I think from a win standpoint, the fact that it was, that it was the opposite of the way things went for Ohio state last year and the games that they, they couldn't, you know, capitalize on, I think is a very encouraging thing, especially considering the fact that they lost their best offensive weapon outside of CJ Stroud in that game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jackson Smith and Jigba tried to come back at the beginning of the second half and, it didn't look like he was he was moving very well, so we'll, we'll see with that situation where, where that goes. Uh, they had a young receiver who played very well. They had some guys that that maybe you didn't think were going to be the big contributors in this game who who stepped up. Yeah, and I mean you had a former walk on receiver uh, who was outside of the top one thousand in his rankings catch the go ahead touchdown in the third quarter. Didn't have that. Um, was it the third or the fourth quarter? Even I can't even remember. But it was like, not did not have a walk on receiver makes biggest play for Ohio State on my bingo card. <laughs> no, um, but the thing that I will say is, um, in this world of college football, do you want a, a team that can throw the ball around and and only can do that and score fifty points when things are working, but um, you know has a hard time moving the ball on the ground when you're facing a team with similar talent? Or do you want a run-first team that throws the ball very well? And for whatever reason, Ryan Day has a tendency to 
continually fall in love with throwing the ball first, which is something that I think Ohio State fans probably like about him when it's working. But in games like this, it's hard to watch. So, you know, when Ohio State needed to, they got the ball inside their own 10-yard line. They went 14 plays and 95 yards, uh, took seven minutes off the clock, um, and extended their lead to 21-10 and ended the game with 45, 4.4 minutes and 51 seconds left in the half, or in the game, excuse me. And, like, that, to me, is the most encouraging thing, not to mention that their defense, which was atrocious for Ohio State standards last year, held Notre Dame to less than 75 yards of offense in the entire second half. So, like, I don't know how you view that because people will say, well, Notre Dame's not that good. So Ohio State, by default, who struggled with them and was losing at halftime might not be that good. And I guess we'll find out later on if that's a true thing. But given where they were coming into the year, given what we know what they had to work on on the offseason and what they were last year, losing Jackson Smith and the Jigba, I think that beating a top five team at home the way that they did it with Jim Tressel in the house was both appropriate and encouraging. So I was impressed with the defense. I, I thought they looked, you asked me the question, can you make a defense tougher in an off season? They look tougher. Yeah. I mean, they looked like their defensive line was really getting in there. Because that, that is a Notre Dame offensive line that will maul some people this year. Yeah. 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 I think that from a, a main, a staying power situation, Ohio State puts themselves in a position where they probably don't face a better team than Notre Dame for the rest of the year. Maybe Michigan at the end. Yeah, we'll we'll see what Michigan turns out to be. We'll see what Michigan State turns out to be. But yeah, this Notre Dame team looks good. And, and that's the question I wanted to ask you. Now, Notre Dame has Clemson on the schedule still. Mm-hmm. Other than Clemson, do they they don't play anybody else that measures up to what they played tonight? Like that's they should right. be able to beat everybody else on their schedule, but Clemson based on what we saw tonight. I would think that would be the case. Yes. So the thing with Notre Dame that it stands out to me and always has is they didn't have a offensive skill position player that scares you. And I think when you play teams like Ohio state, Michael uh, Meyer, he's scared. I mean, I guess if you think of tight end skill, I mean, I was thinking more like running back who can hit a home run or a, a receiver that hits a home run. I don't know that the tight end, he's a great, great tight end. Don't get me wrong, but he can't be the guy that, not that against is, a team like Ohio State, but gonna, against they, most of the teams on their schedule, he could be sure, sure, scary. yeah. And yeah. I just feel like Ohio State just you know out talented them on the outside. And like the funniest thing that you have to remember too is that a lot of the receivers that were out there catching all these passes were redshirt freshmen, sophomores, guys who aren't very experienced. So you know when they get Jackson Smith and the Jigba back, and you know, you know, kind of have their whole game plan at their fingertips. And maybe Ryan Day will continue to remember they can run the football. But here's the thing. If you beat a top five opponent by one or by 10 or by five or by 100, see, I hear, is that good or bad? Five. It's, nobody's a top five opponent now. It only matters what they're ranked at the end of the season. So what they're ranked this? now is completely irrelevant. Let me, let me rephrase the ranking because I don't want to get caught up in semantics. Yeah. Notre Dame is probably firmly in that second tier, right? Yes. And if their second tier probably starts at team four to team eight. Yeah. They, so and, beating and I, just a team, said, I just said I expect them to be a 10 and two team. So, so if they're a 10 and two team, did I, I think that the spread in the way that we're accustomed to seeing Ohio State win games um, is by a lot. And I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to the idea that Ohio State had to win that game by 21 to feel good about it. Like right. if you would have told me the defense clamps down, they won both sides of the trenches. They ran a 14-play, 100-yard drive for seven seconds or seven minutes with the game on the line, punched it in with less than five minutes left, and I would be like, oh, those are the exact games that Ohio State lost last year. Yeah, yeah, this is this is what they needed to be. So, so I would say that's a good win. Yeah, I would agree. And and this is this is what they needed to be. And the good thing about their schedule is they can now autopilot. Yeah. yeah, they they can figure stuff out. They they've been challenged. They've been hit in the mouth. Uh, one more Notre Dame thing. I like Tyler Buckner a lot. I, I think having a quarterback who can run for mm-hmm. Notre Dame, like you said, because they don't necessarily have a home run hitter at receiver. They don't have that back that that truly scares you. But having some mobility and and that makes a huge difference compared to Jack Cohn last year. Huge. 
And there were a few plays that he got out of the pocket and, you know, moved the sticks and, you know, extended some plays that would have been dead a year ago. So, you know, the thing that I think is most encouraging about Notre Dame is I was impressed with Marcus Freeman's temperament tonight. Mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, I saw Luke Fickle come into the Ohio State, Ohio Stadium, uh, you know, the second year he was at Cincinnati and uh, lose 38 to nothing and completely melt in the heat of that. And Luke Fickle, I think, is probably considered now one of the best rising coaches in the sport. Yeah, very good. Coach. Like Marcus Freeman carried himself and had his team play like they had been there before. And as they amass more talent and as they get, you know, further down the line of the build with his team and his players, I think they can be a very good football team. And I know that Notre Dame fans are just starving to win a game like this, to beat a team that's in the recruiting rankings, cool kids club. Yeah. But I thought that if I were a Notre Dame fan, I could go to bed tonight and be proud of that too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. It, it, it's weird that he's 0-2 as a head coach, but they lost to a very good Oklahoma State team in the in the bowl game and a really, really mm-hmm. good Ohio State team on Saturday night. So he will, I, I would say that the Marshall game next year will be the first win for for Marcus Freeman as Notre Dame's coach, and, and it's going to happen. Ari, let's talk about another game that we talked about all offseason that was pretty much over basically when it started. Georgia just destroyed Oregon. Georgia's offense looked flawless. Now, maybe that's because Oregon's defense wasn't very good, but Georgia looked like they had a million ways to beat you, and the defense, well, it's still really good. I do think that there's a sentiment that, and maybe even from me and you a little bit, um, about Georgia maybe not being what they were a year ago. Um, and not intentionally, because I think we both are very high on Georgia. Well, no, but last I mean, we, year, we've we've thrown out the stat that they, they didn't take anybody out of the transfer portal. They put up a stat that said they took one. I don't know who the one is, but they also said Clemson took zero and Clemson took Hunter Johnson. So I, I don't know where, the, where that stat came from. Yeah, but you and I were so gung-ho about Georgia a year ago around this time. Most talented team in the country. They're going to figure it out. And we both predicted that they would win a national title last year. And this year we've been so focused on Alabama because of all that they have back and the fact that Bryce Young is back and all the things that that they bring to the table. I don't know their head coach being one of them, that they're going to win the national title. We both think that, right? Yeah. So, But I think that Georgia has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. You know, it's kind of like that post-national championship drag. And I think that this is a reminder that this is a legitimate national championship contender still. Absolutely. This and the fact of the matter is, is they didn't even break a sweat in that game. Yes. They made it look easy. And I'm telling you right easy. now. They didn't make it look yeah. easy. It was easy. Yeah. And I'm telling them. you right now, Oregon is not going to be a bad team. Yeah. Oregon, Oregon is going to be a pretty good team. So Eric Decker asked, if you're Dan Lanning, what's your takeaway from this game? My guess is Dan Lanning knew this was going to happen. because And Dan Lanning's takeaway from this game is the same thing he knew existed when he when he got there. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, Dan Lanning. He, he coached all these guys. I'm pretty those sure guys. he knew this yeah. would happen. Yes. So. And, uh, you know, that's why Dan Lanning got the job. To make Oregon be able to compete with a team that has that those guys on. I mean, like Malachi Starks out there. Like, geez. They've been raving about him all at camp. I mean, and, and then you see yeah. that pick? Yeah. Oh, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit where that kid goes to college. What that that play was was five star oozing talent, natural God given ability, and he's just a freshman. Right. So like that's what that's that's the world that George is living in right now. And the the hope is that Oregon will get somewhere into that that mix because they have a coach that understands exactly what it takes to get to that point. Yeah. Now, I would argue they had a coach also who understood sure. what, what sort of talent they needed. So they, they got talent, but but they don't have Georgia level talent. They don't have Alabama level talent. So that, it's really that's, hard to match that even when you're really good at recruiting. Mario Cristobal yeah. is a hell of a recruiter. Did yep. a great job. Yeah. So that is that is Dan Lanning's mandate. Uh, I don't like eliminating a conference from the playoff race and Mm-mm. hell won't matter in a couple of years because. There'll be 12 teams in the playoff, but the Pac-12 not feeling great about its chances right now with it, with one exception, but that's only because they played Rice. <laughs> so 
What are you gonna th- you're gonna fight on? Are you gonna fight on for me? I mean, hey, my my squad's alive, bud. I don't care about the conference. My squad's going. Um, Antonio Morales told me before the game started that thirty two and a half was too much, and it's like that's the uh, the Lincoln Riley way, you know? They they hung some points, and you know their defense kind of looked shaky in the first half, and they'll probably end up losing a game so far, but. You know, we do probably have to take a minute to talk about Lincoln Riley's first game. Hey, Caleb Williams to Jordan Addison for the first touchdown of the year. How about that? Yeah, just a, it's, it was the just like a, an out route where everybody it was like a five yard pitch and catch a, that you and I could have completed. From the transfer portal. It's uh, you know, yeah, both guys knew that they would end up at USC connecting for their touchdown this year. But you know, if they score points in bunches, they could be a very exciting team. So. I don't think they have the lines to go to the playoff this year, but USC is still alive, and I will cling to that every single week uh, that they're alive until they're not. So, and you know what? I guess you could say Oregon's eliminated, right? I probably because they don't like the they don't like blowout losses. If blowout Oregon losses runs the table the and wins the Pac-12 as a one-loss team, can they get in? It would depend on everybody else because they don't like blowout losses. If you yeah. look at the history of the, the committee, blowout losses seem to be the thing that that is the kryptonite. That, that wasn't a blowout loss. Play. That was like, can we get the running clock going? Yes. No, that was a yeah. mercy rule. Game. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, that was bad. Um, but I guess Utah, I guess to a certain extent, isn't dead. You know, they no, lost to Florida. Florida let, let's one, say it, Florida gets Florida good. winds up winning the SEC or something. Yeah. I don't think they will, but let's say they did. Then then that loss does not look bad at all. Even if Florida goes nine and three or eight and four, you could say, hey, yeah, on the doorstep, they right. lost on the last play to, of the game. to win the game or send it to overtime they go out, on the road. One yeah, loss, one one yeah. loss Pac-12 champ, beat Oregon, beat USC on the way. Yep. Um, you know, they're not dead, but and I feel like we have the same discussion about the Pac-12 every September 3rd. Is the conference usually eliminated? We a, usually we yeah. get to week two at least. That, that's the part I couldn't. Yeah, get, it was but. it's a it was a tough look because you know both of those the two of the three best teams in the conference played SEC teams. Yes, and yes. just it's just like a, a reminder of. of but Ari, of I thought gap. it was ESPN pumping up the SEC artificially. It's all uh, it's all. You bias. mean they might actually just have better players? It's all bias. Uh, well, <laughs> like like my buddy here. Uh, that, that's why all the NFL teams take all those SEC players because because ESPN pumps them up. <laughs> Nittany ninety six like to point out that U of A had a big win today. They did and a huge was, win. Um, yeah, it's crazy when you add a few good players to your team. What can happen? Yeah, and you beat a Mountain West team. Yeah. I realized I realized that Mountain West team beat the Pac-12 champs last year. <laughs> yeah, that that was a good. I thought that was a really good win for them. I mean, I don't know. We're about what one or two more wins away before we take them seriously as national title contenders. But <laughs> no, Jed I mean, Fish is doing a he's a doing great a good job. job when you when you consider what he took yeah. over. Jed Fish is doing an incredible job. He is. There's no so, question. They actually have talented players on their roster now. So Vaughn on the live stream brings up a very. Very good point. And there's a game I wanted to talk about anyway. And Vaughn is giving us our way in. I'm late to the stream, but watching people with functional offenses all day after watching my team, Iowa, makes me drink more than I should. Ari. How's this guy not passed out before the year started? I, Iowa's defense. I want to give credit to Phil Parker's defense. Iowa's defense outscored South Dakota State because Iowa's defense scored four and South Dakota State scored Three, but Iowa's Did, defense also outscored Iowa's offense, which also only scored three. Did you hear the roar in the crowd when Iowa got the second safety of the game to get them to yes. seven points? Yes. You're telling me that college football's in trouble? You think NIL expanded playoff <laughs> and all these things yes, are in trouble? If they can watch that and still cheer that and roar, still be happy. That roar of that crowd... It was like they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's amazing. Just truly amazing. I Joey uh, Stefan just says, I look like a Jersey Shore casting reject and I sound like one. Well, the reason no. why I sound like one. I would cast you on Jersey Shore immediately. You wouldn't be a reject. The reason why I sound like one is because I've lost my voice from coughing all week because I got sick again. And I'm trying really hard to work through this voice. Listen, you're gutting through the podcast. I, I, Can you I'm, tell I'm hoarse? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm proud of you. And he's, I'm like out here playing injured right now. Use some respect, Joey. 
<laughs> we'll be right back after these words. All right, so let's talk Iowa. Because I I wanted to text our, our Iowa beat writer, Scott Docterman, who would never do this, but can some, I, I just want someone to ask Kirk Ferentz in a press conference, have you considered trying to be good at offense? Like, I don't know, since C.J. Beathard. Or, well, maybe since Brad Banks. Like, have you considered even trying? I, I, I'm disrespecting Ricky Stanzi there. But, like, maybe just try to be good at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, don't get it. How can you be so good at defense and special teams and so terrible at offense over and over and over again? And the thing that stinks about it is it feels like they're wasting the defense. They are wasting the defense. They're wasting great defenses year after year. And look, your son's the OC. We get it. But Bobby Bowden fired Jeff Bowden after they got shut out by Wake Forest. He's not good at that job. Is there any? He gets paid a lot. He should be better at it. And if he can't be better at it, have someone else do it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just like, at what point do you do anything, anything to get them going there? Because I feel like if Iowa could just average 28 a game, they'd be in the top five of the playoff rankings by week eight. If if Spencer Petrus is your best option at quarterback, you, that's why you should fire your offensive staff. Also, it's like you got guys like because, Michael Penix. Because you didn't, it's your fault for not developing someone better. Like, it's not, I'm going to go back to an old Steve Spurrierism. Somebody did something bad on the field. Steve Spurrier would meet them at the sideline and be like, not your fault, son. It's our fault for putting you in there. Like, <laughs> Spencer Petrus, it's not his fault. It's their fault for not developing anyone who can beat him out. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I think that uh, you look around the country, too, at some of the, the players that are playing the quarterback position that just came out of the transfer portal, and it's like, Iowa can't attract anybody? Oh, I... They, We're watching Michael Penix Jr. toss touchdown passes right, for and Washington you ke- right And now. you keep producing NFL tight ends. You keep producing NFL offensive linemen. So why don't quarterbacks want to play there? I'm guessing the quarterbacks they're getting can play some. They're just not developing them into good players. Could Iowa convince a guy like Keaton Slovis to transfer there? I'm sure they had the chance to. But could they? Well, they didn't because he went to Pittsburgh. I'm just saying, like, Iowa can't out-recruit Pitt? Apparently not. It's like I'm looking at college football stats right now that all these players that have transferred, and it's just like they couldn't get one. JT John Daniels? Rice Plum- I think John he- Rice Plumley? anybody? Oh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't play John Rice Plumley there. He runs too much. You know what I'm saying. There's so yeah. many good players out there that are playing for other teams right now. It's, I just, I feel so bad for Iowa fans. Because too. every year they get their hopes up that it's going to be something different, and they get the same thing. And like and the thing about it that's crazy is, is that their defense has been awesome enough to get them very far into seasons. Their defense hasn't just been awesome. Their defense has been amazing. Like How far into the season did they go undefeated last year? Weren't they like 8-0 last year? Yeah, they, they won the West. They won the West. Yeah, like, no, it's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't... It, I, 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 Iowa fans deserve better than this. They just do, and... Listen, I, I'm normally not this harsh. I'm normally not a fire everybody kind of person, but these people get paid a lot of money. Do the job. You're not a fire anybody type of person. No. Yeah. But these people have had years to develop a functional offense, and it's embarrassing that they can't do it. Yeah. No, I'm with you 100%. It's like I almost ran a poll today because like NC State almost lost, which might be a nice segue. Uh, North yes. Carolina almost lost. Yes. Iowa let's, almost lost. Let Nebraska it, let us, almost. Let us go to the state of North Carolina. Well, can I send my poll real quick? Yeah, go for it. Which fan base do you feel bad for the most? Iowa. The, you feel more bad for Iowa fans than Nebraska fans? Yeah, because Nebraska fans aren't even close. Like, Iowa fans have a special teams unit and a defensive unit that could actually compete for the Big Ten title. If they had a functional offense. That'd be a funny episode. Like in the sport of schadenfreude, which team do you actually just feel bad for the most? It's, Could you imagine if NC State would have lost? Oh, I look, NC State fans are always looking for the piano to fall on their heads. They had to be in terror today. 
But the East Carolina kicker bailed them out twice. Yep. Yeah, it came down to a field goal attempt at the end of the game. And by the way, I thought the worst coaching call of the day because East Carolina got into field goal range without any timeouts um, with the clock ticking under 20. And NC State called a timeout when they yes. were rushing onto the field. I said that too. And then, and then to the NC them. State fans were like, that's why you write and, and Dave Doran coaches. I'm like, no, it was still a terrible idea. That Make he, them that he rush, it. Kick. rush it, yeah. rush it, he rush it. He was going to miss that kick anyway. You don't, only time you ice somebody is when the clock's already stopped. You don't ice somebody when they're running out right. of the field. Right, the kid who just missed the PAT, you want him kicking stressed? You could have had him kicking stressed. Now, look, it all worked out. It was still a really dumb idea. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that NC State can move forward now and still be undefeated and, and hope for the best, I guess, is good for them. But they almost got their hearts shattered. And they were on the like one yard line on two consecutive drives and, in the and third quarter, stuffed. and they got stuffed both. Yeah. Well, I thought fumble. East Carolina played really well. I was I yeah. was impressed because East Carolina had been down bad for a while, mm-hmm. and and they do seem to be coming out of that now. So I, I'm glad to see it because those those are great fans. That's what the one thing people understand. Like it, it's it used to be so hard to play in Greenville. And, and I'm glad to see it is now again, because it used to be if you were North Carolina or Virginia Tech and like Virginia Tech would go there and get beat and it would just be, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's it's a tough place to play. And oh, while we're while we're on the subject of ACC teams going to in-state places and getting beat, uh, how about the old Dominion Monarchs, Ricky Ronnie and company? Yep. They uh, they went, I believe they were one in five to start last season and now won six of their last seven Add Virginia Virginia Tech Tech to that fan base sympathy card. Yes. Yeah. Now, at least with this one, you can say it's the first game under new coach. You give them a little little leeway for that. But I feel like the first game under the new coach is like the time to be optimistic about the future. And then they just pull the rug out from underneath you right away. That sucks. Yeah. Well, and but you can always Did you see that field goal? I did. You you can always blame the old coach, though. Well, he didn't leave me anything. He didn't leave me any talent. (laughs) Hey, Andy. Yes. Have you ever seen a team snap a field goal and then it like dribble 55 yards before the other team picks it up and runs it in right before halftime? <laughs> I think that was the first time I saw I that I've play in my that. life. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen that. But yeah, it is. It's been a weekend of that because I saw that was the NC State East Carolina game was also a game where I saw a, a, a ball snapped on fourth and goal from the one and the guy gets tackled at the 20. Yeah. Like it's just, <laughs> it's, it's one of those. I days. don't know how anybody can watch the sport and think that the NFL is a better product. I just, don't. okay. While Speaking we're on the of subject which, of games that we've never seen, we got a score So this is a score that has never even happened in the sport of college football. Appalachian state scores 40 in the fourth quarter and still manages to lose 63 to 61 to North Carolina. I thought when Appalachian State lined up for the two-point conversion, oh, was the score, what was the score at that point? Was it 56 to 55? Yeah, I'm going to look it up. I have, I just let me, there's so many touchdowns yeah, at the end there. 56 to 55. Uh, they line up for a two-point conversion. I tweeted, I want to thank Appalachian State for trying to get us all along to the second window of games with this do-or-die two-point conversion, because they they were looking at it like there's no this ain't going to overtime. We can't have overtime in this sucker. So they they go for two. The guy's wide open. He gets overthrown. Gut yeah, that was game. that was gut wrenching because yes, you could tell that Bryce threw the ball to where the receiver was supposed to be, but the yep. receiver was so wide open that he stopped right. for the easy pitch oh, and catch. And he brutal. And it was just like they they were so open that they froze. Um, it, it, it was brutal. And then so so they onside kick. North Carolina catches the onside kick and runs it in for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Just to be but, clear, all you have to do is go out of bounds, you win. Right. But Appalachian State then scores another touchdown. It was crazy. Yeah, the um, the kickoff return happened with 28 seconds left in the game. So even then, North Carolina goes up by eight, you think. Okay, there's 28 seconds left. Appalachian State returns the ensuing kickoff to about the 50, and then two plays later are in the end zone, 48 yards in 10 seconds. There were still eight seconds left on the clock when they scored, 
And that's got to be the first time in the history of college football that a team scored 40 and a quarter and lost. I can't imagine that's happened before. I'm pretty sure that is the first time that's happened. It was That was amazing. I, I've never seen anything like that. Unfortunately, well, fortunately for us, unfortunately for North Carolina fans and fans of the teams that North Carolina has to play, this is going to be every game for them. Every single game is going to look like this. Their defense, Ari, you, you said it, you were texting me during the Florida A&M game. You're like, their defense is bad. They can't stop they anybody. can't tackle anybody. You know, and uh, I don't know if there's a team on their schedule that they have competent offensive mind and some some good skill talent can't score 30 on them. I, you look at the rest of their schedule, and, and here's the thing. North Carolina is a talented team. Drake May is awesome. Yet another guy I got in our Heisman draft. I'm loving that pick, except the defense is going to keep them from winning enough games for him to be in contention. But they, they've got Notre Dame on September 24th. They got that, that, that could be interesting. Yeah. Because Tyler I mean, Buckner is going to go crazy against them. Their, uh, their schedule is not easy. I mean, Georgia State, I think you can assume they, they'll win that game. Keaton Slovis is going to throw for 5 million yards against them when they play Pitt. But then they play Notre Dame, then at home versus Virginia Tech, then at Miami. And then they close out October uh, at home versus Pitt. Can they get through all those games with less than two losses? I don't think so. Because, again, they're going to play this game over and over again, and you, you can't win playing that game every time. Yeah. Yeah. It says, I mean, I don't know right now who the early favorite is for must-watch team of the year, but I think they're, it might be North there. Carolina. Yeah. They're up there. Because I, I thought they'd be I, – I thought that's what Tennessee would be. Now, we've only seen Tennessee play against Ball State. Tennessee may rope Pitt into a game like that this week, and we may be feeling that way again. But – North Carolina definitely feels like that team. Like they they will they will rope you into a shootout every single week. And mm -hmm. Wake Forest was a little bit like that last year. Remember Wake they Forest were. Army? Yeah. And Wake Forest UNC was that. Didn't game Wake last Forest year? Army total hit over like one ten last year? Oh no, it was like one forty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean sixty three to sixty one. I mean that was the most entertaining game of the day by far. And like I my upset was and it wasn't an upset because when they announced that Downs wasn't playing, the spread right. went from the spread dropped from App State getting two points to being favored by three and a half. Yes. The line moved five points. Yeah, it, it it is it is very interesting. And and look, I think Drake May is is gonna be very good. But somebody you, just said something that irritated me all in, right. the, in the chat. You tell me who it is and I'll we'll put it on screen. BT Bates. Did they talk about Arkansas Cincinnati? Did they ignore one of the few top? Well, we haven't talked about every game yet, but we're not done. So yes, we were going to talk about Arkansas Cincinnati, but now maybe we're not just to yeah. piss you off. Sorry. <laughs> that no, pissed you kidding. off too, didn't it? Yeah. KJ Jefferson looked awesome. If we're going to lavish all that praise on Anthony Richardson, yeah. let's talk about another guy who's a really big guy, who's a great runner, who has a big arm, who... Won a bunch of games this start of last year and looks like he has become an even better quarterback this year. Absolutely. And uh, I'm covering Arkansas A&M in Dallas uh, in a few weeks, and I'm excited for that game. I really think that they are uh, – that's going to be a fun game to watch. So, you know, the thing that really stood out to me about this game is that, like, Cincinnati really continually shot themselves in the foot throughout they that did. entire oh, game. The, the one where they, they got the fumble – on the three yard line and then just committed penalty, penalty after, after penalty, penalty after, after penalty. penalty. I was like, how is Luke Fickle not, how is his head just not exploded? They the missed, I think point. two field goals. Their quarterback, I think missed four fly routes of guys who had five yards of separation with overthrows. And it just felt like Cincinnati was trying to lose that game. Um, you know, cause I still think they're a very good football team with some pieces and it just kind of stinks because, now they're they're out of the the playoff hunt this year. So, uh, but if we could get a undefeated Arkansas Texas A and M game in Dallas, that'd be fun, right? That'd be awesome. So, by the way, I, I know I keep saying that Squirrel White at Tennessee is my favorite SEC nickname. I'm I'm wrong on that. Rocket Sanders is easily the best SEC nickname this year. Yeah, that's a good nickname. 
I mean, Rocket Sand. Rocket is a great nickname, period. But especially when you run like him, Rocket is a perfect nickname. Yeah, I realize Rahib Ishmael is the original Rocket, but I think enough time has passed that we can have another Rocket. Yeah. What's the statute of limitations on repeat nicknames? I, I think, well, I think the... Was it that Adrian? What Adrian Peterson was was AD? Wasn't somebody else AD right before that? Who was AD? Then they called Adrian Peterson AD. Oh, I thought they called him AP. No, they didn't call him AP. So, but no, I I think and, and Ladanian Tomlinson was LT after Lawrence Taylor was LT. So, yeah. I mean, but that, that initials they, they are different than nicknames. That's true. That's true. But I think there's like nine players in college football that have the nickname of Juice. So uh, our producer, Cam Molina, he was called AD because it was it stood all, all day. day. Yeah. Yes. And he could make for very long days. But yeah. So I thought I thought KJ Jefferson, though, looked fantastic. And that's, you know, because everybody's wondering, OK, Traylon Burks is gone. And there, there were times when it felt like it was just Traylon Burks getting open and, and he was making stuff happen. But I thought their offense looked like it would be. Their offense looked like it will be effective against most teams they're going to play. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Alabama, but just about everybody else they play, they should be able to score points on. And the defense I, I thought was was very good most of the game. Now they got some some guys in the secondary hurt, and Cincinnati started to pick on them a little bit. We'll see how that goes because if the, if the depth drops off, some of the receiving cores they're going to have to play. That, that's going to be kind of tough. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a that was a sneaky, entertaining game, and one that Cincinnati let get away from them for sure. But the fact that it preserves Arkansas as a one and team, they got South Carolina and Missouri State as their next two games. I think both of those are winnable for for Sam Pittman and his squad. Oh, absolutely. And I'm looking at A and M schedule. They have to play App State next week, which is kind of a sneaky tough game. Maybe App State will be beaten down a little bit. Um, Miami in week three before mm-hmm. going. So I wonder. You think A&M can get there undefeated too? I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, Miami, they were playing Bethune-Cookman. They did what what they should do against Bethune-Cookman. They hung 70 on them. So, I, I, you know, we don't know what Miami is yet. I think we need to see them play a little more before we we make any sort of grand pronouncements about, about who they are and what they are. But yep. So in A&M, that game was delayed. You know, they, they finally came back and finished it. Haynes King looked all right. The defense looked good. They played a lot of the freshmen on defense. Yeah, good. I, you know, I, I, as soon as I clicked on, I was watching Levius Overton. Well, oh, right, right in time for the Ari Wasserman Texas A and M national title campaign of twenty twenty four. Well, twenty twenty four, I understand. I, I, I don't know if twenty twenty two is is no, is not twenty twenty two, but maybe twenty twenty three, depending on how twenty twenty two looks like. So, by the way, let, let's. Let everybody. I know everybody's watching the After Dark games while while listening to us as well. But uh, Mississippi State whipping up on on Memphis, thirty five ten. If you've listened to us all off season, you know we're we're very high on Mississippi State. Very old team. Will Rogers in year three is a Mike Leach quarterback that tends to go well. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you also know how I feel about Jonathan Smith, the Oregon State coach. That he is very very good. Oregon State. Before the half, Ari is up twenty-four nothing on Boise State. That's a team that's that's getting it in the right direction. And I would have had Oregon State in my top five most hopeless jobs list. Yeah, yeah, and Jonathan, like they have they have gotten better progressively every single year since Jonathan Smith has been there. And it, like even in the, the COVID year, they I think they were only two and five, but they beat Oregon that year. So it was it, it's been impressive to watch that. And I had a question this week about coaches at their alma maters and and what is it you know does it matter does it put more pressure on them he's an interesting one because this he's at his alma mater but he's he's really good and anybody who understands the degree of difficulty there knows he's doing a great job so would he leave to go to another school if it's you know a conference with that where the schools make more money or, or if it's a situation that that is easier to win at that's or does like, he stay because this is all modern? It's another, uh, another, I guess, what does this person want moment? Whatever they want, you know? Hey, Joey, 
Joey wants to know, how did Ari Wasserman get this job? I'm guessing his daddy knew someone. Ari Wasserman's dad is a big contributor to this podcast, Joey. <laughs> I don't think you, you've paid much attention. Just put respect on his name, dude. That's right. Uh, Ari Wasserman's dad's dentist is a listener to this podcast. Yeah, and my dad created The Athletic. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. Your, your dad was like two years old when you were born. That's a, I think the athletic founders are both younger than us. So yeah, that's true. Uh, he uh, he's the seed money. Exactly. Well, but no, but he is the one who came up with our uh, with our quote for Nebraska. Yeah. When you does saw- it stop being a bleeping coincidence? By the way, it was almost a bleeping coincidence again today against North Dakota. I was going to say, wasn't it? Well, okay, I'm going to be honest with you here about something. Uh, North Dakota was down by seven and had the ball in the fourth quarter and they were 17 to one or something like that. So I took a quick flyer on it because I thought, what is what 17 to one? What's the worst that could happen? Exactly. I just like, is Scott Frost going to do an onside kick again or somebody going to punt off the side of their ball or off their foot? You know, I thought it was a good, and then they, they kind of got some separation there, but um, you know, oh man. I'm just was, happy that the people who are loyal listeners to the show and aren't letting Joey troll me know that my dad was on the show last week. RDL wants to know if we're going to make a bet for Pitt, Tennessee. We have a bet yeah. next next week, RDL. Actually, that's a good that, that's a good jumping off point because this show is presented by Sling. I have Sling, which means I also have the Longhorn Network, which means I got to watch Texas, Louisiana, Monroe, or at least the parts of it that were interesting. Uh, I texted Ari immediately when Quinn Ewers threw an interception on his first series. Uh, he actually threw one on his first pass, but the guy dropped it. Well, Xavier Worthy made a nice play where he basically had to become a DB and swatted it away. And then Ewers got picked off later in that drive. Now, Ewers, Ewers turned it around and, and did just fine the rest of the game. Uh, they whipped up on an overmatched. Throwing a pick on the second attempt of the game was not good for the brand, though. It's fine. He's, you know, you know, Texas did exactly. It's not like he was playing Alabama. It's not like he has to play Alabama next. Oh, wait. He does have to play Alabama next week. You know what I love, too, is that they pulled him late in the game to let Hudson Card play. And it's like, dude, I think Quinn's going to need all the reps he can get in this game. So 9.4 yards in attempt for Quinn, and he looked under control. Now, again, that was an overmatched team. So take take from it what you will. But for those of you who are new to the show, there is a bet for the Texas-Alabama game next week. And I, we're, we're going to go with whatever the spread goes off at, right? Yeah, you said I, you at least did me that solid. Yeah, so it's 17 and a half the last time we looked. It may change. We'll see. But if Texas covers, I have to eat a whole bottle of Bijan Mustardson, which is Bijan Robinson's Dijon Mustard. If Alabama covers, then Ari has to eat the whole bottle. You have to do it during a show, so you can't stretch it out over over multiple hours. You have to down the whole thing during a show. It won't be the it won't be the recap show. We'll we'll build a whole day around it. Don't you worry. I'm so dead. You BC see Alabama. There needs to be a there needs to be a mustache bet. Andy with a Fu Manchu. I can't grow a mustache. I, I'm going to tell you that right now. If if I could grow one, I would, but. It's not physically possible. So sorry about that one. We'll have to come up with something else. Uh, you were asking, did I see Alabama? Yeah, they're, they're still good. <laughs> yeah, Bryce Young. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just like picturing my life flash before my eyes right now, just knowing what's going to, I know what's happening. So RDL, better game, Bama and Texas or Pitt, Tennessee? I think in terms of, of actual watchability, Pitt, Pittsburgh, Tennessee Pitt, will Tennessee be Tennessee is the better game. game. Bama, yeah, Texas yeah. is more interesting to me. Yeah, I think Bama, Texas, in terms of competitiveness, won't be competitive for long. Uh, and to answer Carter BC's questions, it's going to go up on po- on Apple Podcasts. It will actually go up on all of the podcast platforms. This is the show, and you can hear it. You may hear it Sunday. Uh, it, it'll be up till Monday morning, or well, until another show comes on. Uh, but but you will have it all weekend to listen to. Uh, we love it when you're making your breakfast Sunday morning and you're listening to the show and you send us pictures of your breakfast. So please do that if you're making breakfast right now, if you're listening to it, uh, because it is one of the most fun parts of my college football season is is knowing 
that you are sitting there making breakfast to our show. Uh, Bobby McKay, poor Ari, find find something to eat it with. I see. I think if you got some pretzel rods, like some the good soft pretzels, and you just put gobs of mustard on each one, it's not a, it's not that hard of a thing to do. I think I'll just be able to house the whole thing. I'm pretty sure I could too because I like mustard. But I'll just I'll just put it. if it's spicy, it might be a little bit harder. But yeah. um, yeah. The one thing that we didn't account for when it came to the live comments in the YouTube channel is that somebody starts trolling one of the hosts. So like, well, no, I, I accounted for it. I mean, I, okay. I just ignore it, but I like that it pisses you off. It, it, it doesn't. It, does it doesn't piss add me some off. Spice to the show. It doesn't oh, yeah, piss it does. me off. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. We know it does. We can we can hear it in your voice. Art. You know what pisses me off more I can than see anything? It in your face. The thing that pisses me off is when I write a story mm-hmm. and people don't understand the point of it and then freak out. <laughs> That's the thing that drives me crazy. Whose fault is that, Ari? And I guess it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> or when people latch on to the wrong point. Again. That also, no, that also Whose irritates me. Whose fault is that? Yeah. I don't know. Like, when the playoff expanded, and we haven't talked about that yet, we're minute 55. We'll talk about and, that right now. Um, I said, the thing that stinks is that uh, the Ohio State-Michigan game from last year, the results of it will be irrelevant. I said, will be irrelevant as it pertains to the playoff race. Because it would have been, right? And I got all right, these they both retweets. They would have made the playoff. Now, yes. it would have been relevant in terms of seeing. I got all these retweets about when and where. I think that would have been very relevant. Don't you dare tell me that that game will ever be irrelevant. It could never be irrelevant. It's like, dude, that's not what I'm saying. That is what you're saying, though. No, I'm and sa- that's, that's why I argued the way I did, because I know, I know how people feel. People always care about rivalries. I know that. You don't have to explain that to me. Like if you if you think that I cover the sport and that I don't understand that Ohio State and Michigan fans care about the results of that game, then you must think I don't know how to breathe. But that is the first thing you came out with. And you're and now you're mad because people are like, Well, that's your argument? Well, yeah, if no, the they first don't thing you the argument, said, that's your argument. The first thing I said was I'm a it's a sucks that games results like that won't matter in the context of the playoff race. Because there's an extra layer to that. They will matter. Yeah, I don't know. It will affect where both of those teams play and when they play in the playoff and who they play. Yeah. So it will matter. That's that's the thing. I guess. They've actually designed a system where that game will have relevance in the playoff Ohio race. Ohio State's season ended last it. year as a result of that game. And instead, when that happens in 2031, Ohio State would have to go play a road game against a team that they're going to be favored by 26 points against. Huge difference. I want to see that game. (laughs) I know you do. I know you do, Andy. You know what game I didn't want to see? What? Like the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl last year. The Fiesta Bowl was awesome last year. It was a great game. Imagine if it had stakes. Oh, all of a sudden you care about stakes? I've always cared about steak. I mean, steaks. <laughs> you're, you're belittling the importance of steaks in the regular season and then complaining that the game later in the year didn't have enough steaks. Well, guess what? The game in the regular season will still have steaks, and then the postseason game will now have more steaks. More sounds good to me. I like yeah. more. This, I'm not Jim Delaney. I'm not the person who goes, well, you might you can't have too much ice cream. No, you can. You can have a lot of ice cream. No, you have a lot of Halo Top. <laughs> no, no, it's a, uh, well, what is it? It's Nick's. Have you had Nick's? No, I'm not a sweet it's person. Swedish. They use I don't, stevia, but it I tastes don't eat like that stuff. It tastes like ice cream. And, and I like French whole, fries. A whole carton's like 260 calories. It's amazing. If somebody, if somebody gave you your choice of cake, ice cream, or candy, and then put pizza to the left, would you ever take the cake, candy, or ice cream? Depends on the day. I'd take pizza 100% of the time. Yeah, it depends on the day for me. All right, are any other games that, that struck your fancy? On Do you want to talk Saturday? for three seconds about how J.J. McCarthy had a perfect four for four? Yes, uh, let's do game that. In the, in the quarterback, <laughs> quarterback, quarterback competition the from the Lord. portion of Michigan's win against Colorado State will be the one that is more thoroughly evaluated, but yes, J.J. McCarthy did. Uh, did I mean, he showed in. up. I mean, 
Cade McNamara went 9 of 18 for 136 yards and one touchdown in a 51-7 to win. I don't even know how it's possible for the quarterback to only throw one touchdown. You hand the ball team. to Blake Corum all yeah, the time. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, who was one of my Heisman uh, draft picks, my last pick. Um, and J.J. McCarthy ran ran for a touchdown. So that goes towards J.J. McCarthy's evaluation. Ari, you and I, I think you and I agree on this. We we think this entire scheme is a way to ease the it's the bullshit pain to let him play replacing in your incumbent starter who won the Big Ten for you last year. Michigan beat the crap out of Colorado 51 to 7. Colorado State. Colorado State. Sorry. TCU uh, beat the crap out of Colorado. Uh, yes. J.J. Uh, McCarthy threw four for four for 30 yards and rushed three times for 50 yards and a touchdown showing up. The other quarterbacks. You th- got- you're saying J.J. showed up Cade and Cade's game. That's right. Oh, boy. Well. I'm just I, kidding. I don't know. I, I just it's funny to me that he played in that game because like that's supposed to be the you know the the sort I don't know how much you can draw from a game that's not competitive anyway, but like you know, let the other guy play the entire game. I thought that was the whole point. Yeah, I don't know. It's, but I guess funny. I guess if JJ builds a big lead on Hawaii, which he's going to. Cade better get in the game or I'm going to go bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to talk about Sunday night. Sunday night is LSU, Florida State. I still, it still feels weird to me that Brian Kelly is LSU's coach. I guess seeing Notre Dame now under Marcus Freeman made it a little bit easier to to process that. But it's gonna it's gonna feel odd seeing him run out on the field in New Orleans in purple and gold. People think that Florida State's got a shot here, bud. I am not necessarily one of those people. Now I do think. They play very hard for Mike Norvell. I was very impressed with the way he took that team back off the precipice last year because they they after they lost to Jacksonville State, it could have been that lights out. And they got better as the season went on. They, you know, if Jordan Travis had been able to play against NC State, I think they had a chance to win that game. That that would have made him bowl eligible if they'd have won that game. They are Getting better, getting the roster closer to what it should be, but they're not there yet. And LSU still has players who could start at Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State. Not not a whole roster full of them. The spread was three, right? Yeah. Give me a reason not to like take all this stuff out of my office and go to a pawn shop tomorrow. Pawn it. Put it all on LSU. Put it all on LSU. I can't. Because I'm waiting for somebody to I, give I me will, this reason. I, all right, I'll give you a reason. Because sometimes I have a family and I have to be responsible. Stuff. Yeah, sometimes Vegas knows stuff. I want to know what they know. The old, the old Dominion Virginia Tech line was super fishy, and guess what? You know, the the Friday night lines were really. I mean, they they or the I'm sorry, the Thursday night lines, the the backyard brawl line, and the the Pitt Penn State line. They just, or I'm sorry, the the Penn State Purdue line. They yeah. flexed on those. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, it seems like if I were to make that line. That it would be seven or seven and a half. I, I think maybe people are just used to how schizophrenic LSU's been the last two years. And Florida State's played bit like they played Notre Dame really well last year, didn't they? They played Notre Dame really in tough. A, it was an overtime Sunday. game. Yeah. yeah, it was. So, yeah, it was. It was the Labor Day game. It was Monday night. But also, you have to put the one thing that Brian Kelly had unmistakably done at his time during Notre Dame was continually beat the teams that his team should beat. Yes. So you have to at least give him credit that LSU should win this game. And he's a tremendous coach when it comes to winning games. You should. Yeah. Well, I, I would take LSU in a heartbeat in this game. I, I think Florida state's going to get better. I think Mike Norvell is going to be okay there, but I don't think this is the night that that all comes together. Yeah. You know, or I mean, if it does, that is the night that it comes together. Maybe. I just don't see it. I because again, LSU has top end talent in quite a few positions. Now, I will say I'm interested to see the quarterback situation because all the folks I know in Baton Rouge who are with, you know, have some ties into the program think it's going to be Jaden Daniels and not Garrett Nussmeyer. And they think that because it's sort of to protect the offensive line, which they don't know if it's going to be very good. And he can he can run around and, and 
he's the better. That could better be the reason the spread's free, Nussman. though, right there. It's, I mean, then maybe that is. Maybe that yeah. is. But you also, if things aren't going well with Jaden Daniels, you can throw Garrett Nussmeyer in. Mm-hmm. And maybe that does it. But I will. Here's a, here's something to point out about Jaden Daniels because, you know, we've talked a lot about how he regressed in the three years as a starter at Arizona State. Do you remember who the other skill guys were his freshman year at Arizona State? I can't tell you. Frank Darby, pretty good college receiver. Brandon Ayuk, NFL first rounder. Yep. Eno Benjamin, very good college running back. Yep. He never had anything like that again. He's got Kayshawn Boutte now. He's got the, you know, an LSU stable of backs. He's got Jack Beck. Like, he's got dudes around him. I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself. I should have known the answer to that ASU question. Well, it's it's hard because the years are sort of blend together. Like you're trying. When when was Brandon? Yeah, it's like it's like, like is Nikhil yeah. Harry there? Like at right, that time? exactly, yeah, like but. exactly. But but yeah. So he had he had a lot, comparatively speaking, a lot of talent around him that freshman year. So yeah, it's it's easy to regress when you, they take away your weapons. Yeah, yeah. And there's no question where the talent is in that comparison. So sure. So, It'll be it'll be interesting to see. I I'm excited. We got game. We got that game Sunday. We got Clemson Georgia Tech Monday, which is going to be a complete bloodbath. I would assume if it's in it, if it's as close as Clemson Georgia Tech last year, Clemson's got some real issues. I don't think Clemson has real issues. I think they're going to be fine. So you know, I I I, I would like that game to be more interesting, but it's probably not going to be. But Ari. For a week one, from Thursday on through Saturday, we were incredibly blessed. Yes, with some great games. Even Friday night, like I thought, Indiana Illinois was a fun game to watch. Now I know I'm sure the Illinois fans are still really frustrated with the refs, but I thought that was a really fun game. Yeah, I mean every night, and the fact that we get one on on Sunday and Monday, that is like when I run for president, there's going to be a college football game. Uh, Friday through Monday, every week, every Thursday through Monday, excuse me, every week of the year. I, I'm with it. I mean, yeah. I know you can't do it with the I, NFL. I love but the Stones competing with, with Monday Night Football during it be the, cool the NFL season. If we all just universally agreed that we all get off work at 2 p.m. on Mondays and the college football game of the week led into Monday Night Football, Ari, like how incredible that would be. Ari, you are in the wrong line of work. I you know. need to be a television executive. Should be that prep gridiron can we, guy. Can we make this happen now? And then, and that Monday game has to be a ranked game between two teams that are ranked. Oh my god! And, and you could flex it, like yeah. pull it off a of Saturday and like we're putting that on Monday now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, I want to. I want that so bad. Yeah, I mean, we can all dream, oh. but I do. I do love the um, unusual. Uh, day games that you're not used to getting a game in before the NFL starts. Yes. Yeah. It, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. We're here. The season has begun. It's real. They're playing real games. Yeah. They're doing some stuff with the playoff. We can talk about that during the week. Yeah. We'll talk this about has it. been just such a great plunge back into real college football. I cannot wait to see what the rest of the season has in store for us. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, whether it's the YouTube channel, whether it's on your favorite podcast platform. We're going to be here for you however you want us. And we can't wait to talk about this season.